Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Have you brought a Bible with you? Let's, uh, let's jump to the Scripture that I want to, uh, I want to start with. I want to, um, as, you're, as you're returning, let's, let's go to John chapter 20. And verse, uh, verse 19, while you're turning there, I do want to greet um, all, all of you and say Happy Easter to all of you. I especially want to welcome perhaps those that uh, don't normally attend, um, people that have come uh, just to visit today. Um, maybe you're a believer. Maybe you uh, would call yourself a Christian. Maybe you would not. Um, maybe you're only here because someone promised you free lunch if you would come to church with them. And you cannot wait for me to sit down and shut up so you can go and eat. But uh, regardless of, of how you came to be here, I do want you to feel welcome. Um, and I really appreciate um, that you're here if you're not a believer or this is not something that is a, a big part of your life, Faith. Um, I appreciate your time and, and I'm really grateful for you. And I do want you to know that I don't think it's by chance that you're here. Um, I want you to know that I do believe that God orders and guides our steps. And, and I do believe that if you will open your heart this morning just a little um, and ask God within your heart, God, if you're real, then, then reveal yourself to me today. I do believe that you will leave here with something that will radically transform your life. And uh, so, but I do wanna take a moment and say uh, how grateful I am for you. And thank you for uh, thank you for coming out. So let's have a look at these uh, couple verses. Are you awake this morning? Are you are you sure? Um, here we go. Chapter twenty. That was a really loud response. I was happy with that. I thought that was good. Um, chapter twenty, John chapter twenty and verse nineteen. Jesus, of course, has been risen from the dead. The tomb was empty, and it says here. Then the same day and evening, being that first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Probably the biggest understatement in uh, Scripture, that the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. This moment is the disciples have gathered um, in a room, because they're freaking out. They're believers in Jesus. Jesus has just been beaten and crucified before their very eyes. These guys are disciples of Jesus. They're Jewish men who are under Roman oppression and they've just watched this powerful Roman um, army crucify the one that they're believing in. And so these guys are, hauled up in this room, freaking out. Rightly so. Um, I think we would too, probably. And in this moment, I love that, that Jesus shows up in their midst and, and He ministers to them and He says, peace be with you. I'm so mindful of, of the Easter Sunday or Easter Sunday and it's a very traditional Sunday for us as, as um, believers. 
um, and we, we sort of, we all gather um, as we are today and we get dressed up in our favourite Easter Sunday outfit and uh, we come to church to hear of a story, to celebrate something that definitely is worth celebrating. Um, and, and we use, there's lots of, you know, Christian uh, terms and religious terms that we use to describe what today is. Some would say today means freedom, which of course is so true. And some would say that today represents victory and and, and we get excited and it's worth getting excited about and, and we shout out that He's risen and we post it on our Instagrams and our Facebooks and we tweet it. And as, as a preacher, as a communicator, I hate to tell you this, it's probably one of the worst Sundays to preach. And, and, and I'll tell you this why, because you've heard Probably you've heard everything already that I'm going to tell you today. It's the same at Christmas time. Preachers, we find that these are the hardest Sundays to preach. Why? Because you know the sermon already. We get up and we preach these things about victory and about freedom and all of these different churchy things. And the reason why, to be honest, these Sundays for me, I find hard because I actually think what we sort of do is we, we have already constructed this little box that we put God in on this traditional Sunday, thinking that we already know what God is gonna speak to us today and, and we're just ready to tick the box and to hear the sermon and to go to lunch. And, and as communicators, what we are doing on, on Saturday, while, while you guys are at home planning your Sunday lunch and getting Easter eggs ready for your kids, as preachers and communicators, we're at home praying and asking God, trying to come up with some brand new perspective on the Easter story that none of you have ever heard before. Because what we wanna do is we wanna get up and we feel the pressure to get up and wow everybody because this is one of the biggest Sundays of the year. And we gotta come up with some brand new little spin on the Easter story as a way to entertain everyone on a Sunday so we can all leave wowed and say how great church was. That was me yesterday. But as I was praying, there was like this wrestle inside of my heart as I felt the Holy Spirit drawing me to ask Him for something different than a new perspective to wow you. I felt something stir within my heart and almost like the Holy Spirit challenged me and asked me, Ben, is that what you want this Easter? Do you want a new sermon with a brand new perspective so everyone leaves and talks about how great it is? Or do you want me to do something in people's hearts that is just purely the Holy Spirit that bypasses your message and your catchy little phrases and transforms people so they leave closer to me? You know when you feel like the Holy Spirit just gently gives you a backhander that you needed? 
That was me. And so that was my prayer. My prayer, my prayer for us today is that the Holy Spirit would drop something in our hearts today that radically transforms our lives forever, that we would forget a sermon and only remember an encounter. My question for us today, as we look at this picture of the empty tomb, we have this picture in our minds of what the disciples faced that day, what the women that went to the tomb that day, they opened, they walked to the tomb and as they arrived at the tomb, they saw an open grave in front of them that should have a stone in front of them, but it did not. And they were faced with this empty tomb. My challenge, my question to us is what does this day, what does this story What does this picture of the empty tomb, what does this mean to you? Your life, where you're at, your family, your marriage, your business, your situation. How does does the empty tomb, how does Easter Sunday impact your today? Because one of the strategies I believe of the enemy is to take things like the empty tomb and depersonalise it. He loves to do things like take things from Scripture, one of if not the most powerful picture in Scripture, which is a tomb that is empty. And he loves to objectify it in our minds so that it just become a picture that we've perhaps seen on TV or we remember from a Sunday school book or even objectify it so much that it would just become a date on a calendar that we go to church for. Because if He can depersonalise it, if He can make it just this date in history or just this moment in history that we would remember once a year, then He can stop us from walking in the power of it in our day-to-day life. But I wanna encourage you and I wanna draw you into this space of listening to the Holy Spirit and asking yourself and answering the question, what does the empty tomb want to tell me for my life right now? Because you need to be reminded that the empty tomb is power unadulterated. The empty tomb is the power of God's Scripture. In fact, says that the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives in your life today. And when I think about that as a verse, that verse messes with me. I think, what? That same power, that same power that showed up that day, that brought Jesus back to life. That same power that supernaturally rolled a stone, they say the weight between two and 4,000 pounds. That same power that moved that stone away. It lives in us. That's such a challenging thought to me. Because I think if it lives in me, am I walking in that same power every day of my life. 
Or is there more for me? Is there more for you? What does the empty tomb mean for your life? How does it impact your Monday? I wrote down some thoughts that I would love if you're taking notes, you can write down. And if you're in one of our small groups, our small group leaders, and we'll go over it. Because there's some thoughts that I see in Scripture that are so practically applicable for our life today because I think it's so important for us to identify where there can be a practical life application to the power of the empty tomb. Because if there's practical life application, then that can bring heart transformation. The first thing that I want you to write down that the tomb tells us is the tomb tells us that our failure is never final. And I know it's it's an odd thing to consider because Jesus didn't fail. But I want you to go back with me to Friday and I want you to consider the picture that the cross was. We know the cross today as being a picture of Love personified. We know the cross as being the shed blood of Jesus for our sin. We know the cross as being a price paid for us. But you need to understand that the cross to the disciples and to those that were close to Jesus, on Friday, the cross meant absolute failure. The cross was not this picture of victory, of sacrifice, was not a picture of the love of Jesus to them. The cross meant disaster. The cross meant that they had invested everything into this man and his ministry, if you like, and now the whole thing had fallen apart. And now they're questioning what they believed and they're questioning even their own future. I want you to see that there was so much failure that they were experiencing on Friday. Yet the moment that empty tomb, the moment they were faced with that tomb that was empty, where Jesus had risen, it spoke something to them in relation to their Friday. The Sunday spoke something and said to them that the failure that you encountered on Friday is not final for your life. That the moments that you feel down on Friday, you do not have to remain there because as we love to say in church, Sunday is coming. That when you feel like giving up and you feel like it's over and things have gotten so bad that you start to question everything, you can be reminded if you would listen to what the empty tomb is telling you and be reminded for your life that your failure is never final. That what you experienced on Friday will not determine the course of your life. In fact, Proverbs tells us that a righteous man may fall seven times, but he will rise again. Your failure is not final. Even if your failure is a result of your own sin and your own mistakes or your own stupidity, 
it's still not final. If it's a result of your circumstances you've been through, it's still not final. If it's a result of things that other people have done to you, it's still not final. This is what the empty tomb tells us. I love the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, Paul says this. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. I love these verses because Paul's not pretending like everything's great. You know, Paul, Paul's actually speaking to the reality of what we feel sometimes. And the reality is that sometimes I feel struck down. I don't always feel full of faith. Sometimes I feel like quitting. Sometimes I feel like this sucks. Sometimes I feel like I don't deserve it. Sometimes I question how I'm gonna get out of it. But when I look at verses like this, I'm reminded of, yes, the reality of the challenge I'm in, but I'm reminded of a greater reality and that is the God that I serve that will not leave me where I am. Paul says, even though you've been struck down, you're gonna get back up again. Even though it sucks, you're not gonna stay where you are. Even though it's difficult, this is not where the story ends. There is another day coming and that next day you will be faced with an empty tomb and it will show you how powerless the devil is over your life when your life is surrendered to the God who hung on that cross and the God who stepped out of that empty tomb and walked free. Your failure is not final. Tell somebody that your failure is not final. A failure is not final. I look at this story and I look at the Easter story and I, as I read all of the different interactions, this, this day it was, it, was, it was complete confusion. The disciples, these jokers were scattered everywhere. Some are in faith. Some went home to go back fishing. Some went to walk back to their hometown. Thomas lost the plot completely. He was off having drinks at Javier's. He was done. He, was, <laughs> he gave up on the whole thing. Some of you that was too close to home. You're like, yeah. <laughs> but it was this, it was just, they were all over the place. And as I look at, as I, as I read the stories and I, and I consider each of the disciples, I sort of get almost like a little frustrated with them. And the reason why I get frustrated with them is I'm looking at their response to the empty tomb and their response to this situation. And I'm reminded that Jesus actually predicted that this would happen. And I get frustrated with the disciples because I think, guys, don't you remember what He said? It tells us here in Scripture, in Mark chapter 9, verse 31, it says, for He taught His disciples. He, he taught them. This was not just something that He said in passing, right? He taught them and He said to them that the Son of Man He's gonna be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after he's killed, 
He will rise again on the third day. I wanna sit with the disciples. Like I've got a couple of things I wanna chat to them about when I get to heaven. And one of them is this. I wanna sit, I wanna be like, bro, like, did, did you not remember what Jesus said? Like this is a pretty significant thing that Jesus told you. It's not something that, you know, you would normally forget. Like this is a big moment when Jesus tells you that He's gonna be killed, He's gonna be betrayed and He's gonna rise again. That would be something that you would think, I might remember that maybe. Like it's not like it happened in, you know, passing and you're sitting down having coffee and Jesus is like, hey, can you pass the sugar? Oh, by the way, I'm gonna die one day and I'm gonna rise again. But like I wanna say to the disciples, like bro, like why did you get so rattled? that you forgot what Jesus said. But then as quickly as I am now to criticise the disciples, I then consider my own life and I'm reminded of how many times I allow the circumstances to surround me to also forget what Jesus has said. And then I pull back on my criticism and I sort of look at the disciples and I'm like, no, I get it. I get it. Even though you've had those encounters with Him, He spoke things into your heart in those moments that were so powerful and so tangible that sometimes life can hit you in a way that you forget what He has promised and told you. But what I love about the empty tomb is you know what the empty tomb tells me? It doesn't just tell me that my failure is not final, but it also tells me that God's promises are true. I like to picture, I like to think that if I was there that day and I saw that empty tomb, I like to think that I would stand there and that would go through my mind. My God, you were right. What you predicted, what you said, what you declared, that really is truth that I can stand on what You have promised for my life, despite how bad my Friday looks. That if I can endure and if I can remain steadfast and if I can establish a promise from God for my life, it will be that promise that will hold me through Friday, through the Saturday, so I can be worshipping and giving Him praise on Sunday. That His promise, His promises are true for your life. See, we get off track when we confuse His promises with our promises. And we start to think that He has promised us things that He has not. God has not promised you that you won't go through difficulties. God has not promised you that you won't face pain. God has not promised you that you won't experience turmoil. In fact, He promises the opposite. He promises that you will experience it, but then He attaches to it that he will, it will never overcome you. He promises us that when we're going through it and we're in the difficulties of our situation and our circumstances, that if we would remain close to the God who hung on the cross and walked out of the tomb, that He will guide us through it. This is what we can stand upon. 
And if the disciples had have remembered this, they could have held fast. If they had remembered this, they wouldn't have been shaken. What are the promises that God has declared over your life that you need to remind yourself of? Because I wanna tell you something, if He has said it, then you can stand on it. If He has said it, then you can stand on it. You can hold your God accountable to His Word every single time. This is what the tomb tells us. And the final thing, He's can come. This moment where this stone is rolled away and they're staring at this, this empty tomb. The last thing that I wrote down that as I, as I was just researching, I was researching what the Old Testament and the Old Testament prophecies related to this day. Do you know that there are over 300 prophecies throughout Scripture that point to this day? I want to give you some because this is astounding and there's a point in this that I want you to take home with you. Isaiah, you know, is just a whole bunch of them. Down to the specifics that were prophesied pertaining to this day. I mean, thousands and thousands of years earlier. Not just this day, but the specifics that were prophesied in relation to Jesus' life to who He was. Isaiah 11 and verse 1 actually says that He will be called a Nazarene. Psalm 78 verse 2 to 4 and Isaiah 6 verse 9 to 10 actually says that He will speak in parables. Zechariah talked about Him riding on a donkey. You can go through the specifics. Do you know that it, is, it was prophesied that the Messiah would hang on a cross. It was prophesied that a Roman soldier would take a spear and thrust that spear into his side. That's how specific these prophecies were. They said in the, in the, uh, the Old Testament prophecies go down so specific that it actually says that when he dies, he will be buried in a rich man's tomb. So specific. I say all of that to say, what's your point, Ben? The last thing I want you to write down is really simply this. What does the empty tomb tell us? The empty tomb tells us that God always has a plan. That God, listen. That God always has a plan. In fact, the worse things get, the greater His plan is. It doesn't get much worse than what happened on Friday. But little did these soldiers know that every time they whipped Jesus, they were falling right into God's plan. I feel sorry for them a little bit because they think that they're one-upping Jesus. 
but they have no idea that every single time they hit Him, when they picked up that spear and they threw it in His side, that He was being used by God in that moment to fulfil a prophecy that had been written thousands of years before He even got there. Do you know that every single attack that you face in your life will fall right into God's plan for your life? That's how great the plans of God are for your life. Every single hit, every single hurt, every bit of loss, every bit of betrayal, every bit of brokenness, every bit of emptiness. If you would continue to keep God the focus of your life, there is a promise for your life that He will work all of these things for the good. Genesis said, you meant it for my evil, but God had another plan. When that soldier took that nail and hammered that nail through Jesus' hands, He had no idea that those holes in His hands were gonna be the very thing that a doubting disciple named Thomas would need to believe. That soldier, that soldier played a part in Thomas's salvation. Think about it. Poor Joker didn't even know what he was doing. You think about how Powerful it is so that when in, in the enemy comes at your life and brings things into your life, God will use every single instance, every single situation will fall right into His plans for your life. He'll take the broken pieces and build something great. This is what the empty tomb tells us because it doesn't get worse than Friday. But Friday was exactly what God needed to show off His power on Sunday. I remember years ago before I was, before I was saved and I was, working, I was working in construction, I was you know, young, must have been you know, 19 or 20 or something. And I was working in construction. And at the time I was working for an old, uh, he was a stonemason. He used to lay stone. And he, would, he, would, he was really skilled. He was an older gentleman and, and he was skilled in specific, you know, unique stonework on, on homes and in landscaping. And I was working for him. And uh, I was doing, uh, I would cut the stones, the shapes that he needed. So he would, as he would get, pick up the stone, the new stone, and then he would mark it how he needed it cut. And then he'd give it over to me and then I would take it and I would be on the stone saw and I would make the cuts for him. And, and he would, remember he would give me the stone and I'd go over and, and I'd, he'd tell me whatever the measurement was or if he was gonna mark it, he would mark it. And so I'd get the stone and then I'd make a little cut and then every now and then 
the stone would, would, I would break the stone. So it would either be how I cut it or I'd drop it or knock it and they were fragile and brittle. And so the broken pieces, I would just throw the broken pieces in a, in a, in a you know, trash heap off to the side. And then I'll get another one and then I would do it again. So we're working throughout the day and then towards like the end of the day, this old stonemason, he walks over to me. I remember because I was petrified of him because he was just grumpy all the time. And, and he comes over to me and he stands there and he looks at these, these broken, this pile of broken stones. And he says to me, what are all those? And I said, they're the, they're the broken ones. They're the ones that broke. I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said, don't ever throw away a broken stone. I remember because I was petrified, I was like, okay, <laughs> point taken. And I said to him, but why don't I throw away the broken ones? And he said, because every now and then, the way the stone breaks is exactly the shape I need. Sometimes the areas in our life and the broken things that we go through that we think discard us, cancel us out, cause us to be thrown aside. Sometimes those are the exact things that God needs to show off His glory in our life. Because it's the broken. Why are they so powerful? Why are our broken moments? Why are the hurt from Friday so powerful in shaping Sundays? Because it's in those broken pieces in our lives and it's in the painful journeys you've been on and the hurt that you've had to endure and the loss you've had to go through and the addiction you've had to overcome that we think it cancels us out, but the power of the blood of Jesus Christ says, no, 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 that's the stuff that I need right now. Because where the enemy has tried to break you, I'm gonna use that very thing to build you. And if you will allow me, if you'll invite me, if you'll position yourself into my hands and if you would submit and surrender to my plan, I'll take the broken pieces of your life and I will build them in such a way that God will get the glory and not us. Because don't forget that it is not our perfection that shines the magnitude of His power. But it's actually our weakness. His power is made perfect in my weakness, all my broken pieces. This is what the empty tomb tells me. It tells me that my God always has a plan, always. And as I said at the start of this message, as I said at the start, I, I don't know how you came to be here. I don't know if someone invited you. I don't know if you come once a year or maybe you come every week. But I do know this, God's got a plan for your life.
God's plan for your life begins firstly with relationship with Him. That's the starting point of God's plan for your life. Before it has anything to do with you doing anything for Him or attending church or praying or reading your Bible. All of that we do as a way of building and growing our relationship with Him. God's plan for our life is relationship and connection with Him. That's why we were created. That's why He created Adam and Eve. He didn't create Adam because God needed someone to name the animals because He didn't know what to name them. He didn't need help. Like He's good at being God. He He didn't create us because He needed us. Created us because He wanted us. And He wants us to want Him the same way He wants us. That's His desire. But we get so distracted wanting all of these other things that we think are gonna bring into our life a fulfilment that only relationship with God can bring us. And so what happens is we spend our lives wanting and going after all of these different things. And then we blink and we've lost so many years when we could have been walking a life of fulfilment simply through knowing who He is and having true relationship with Him. That's the message of the Gospel. That's what it is to be saved. To be saved. To know Him is not to attend church. It's not to read your Bible. It's not to pray. All of those things are good and great, but they are the height of religion if we do not have deep, intimate connection and relationship with Jesus. And this is what He's showing us. This is what the empty tomb is screaming to us today, this day in 2023 on Easter Sunday, the empty tomb is saying, come and know me. Know this type of freedom. The type of freedom where there is nothing that can keep you bound. The type of fulfilment that will flow not just within you, but will flow out of you and impact those around you. He wants to show all of His glory to a lost and dying world and He wants to do it through us. And it messes with me because I know how screwed up we all are. And I don't understand why God chooses us. But when I remember the Easter story, I'm reminded of the power of His blood. And then He reminds me and He says, Ben, you're looking at you the way you look at you. But you need to look at you the way that I look at you. Because when I look at you, I look at you filtered through the blood cross of Calvary and I see somebody that I want to use to shine my glory and shine my love to a lost and dying people but it will not start unless you surrender 
and say, God, here I am. Here I am, I'm done going after everything else. I hear the tomb, Lord. I hear what the empty tomb is telling me. That there's a plan and purpose for my life and I wanna surrender to it. And here in this room, as I keep saying, I don't know how you came here, but I know there's a plan for your life. And God's plan for your life starts at the story of Easter. And it all hinges upon what your response will be to the cross and the empty tomb. Because if you want, you can leave here and it can just be a date on a calendar or a kid's Sunday school story. Or you can surrender your life to this Jesus and it can become what you live for. And only then can you walk in freedom and fulfilment. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.